And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 105. 105. The World of Myth Bitch. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. Uh, we are here with our third review episode uh, for issue number 89, the Halloween issue. Uh, I am very, 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 very excited. Still, uh, you'll see. I think most of my notes feature at least a thousand exclamation points. So that'll be fun for you guys to listen to is me screaming my excitement over this microphone. <laughs> but first, we have some housekeeping to get out of the way. Uh, first and foremost, the layout for PCE um, is actually finished. And I've gotten a glimpse at it and it's super, super nice. Um, everything is per accommodation regarding regulations for COVID. Um, and it, it just, it looks great. And um, I think think everything's going to be nice and safe and I'm already kind of planning how I'm going to present my table uh, that completely uh, admonishes any kind of touching or anything like that uh, which I think I have some pretty cool ideas. Uh, next bit of news the Dark Myth publications which you guys probably have heard us talking about um, the website is actually almost finished and that means that um past and future dark myth publications will be available through this website and that's pretty exciting so then we are actually nearing the final negotiations to bring in a new director for the open contract challenge in 2021 um not sure exactly what that will mean but that just means that this contract, this this contest is is getting bigger and bolder and more exciting. And also, two, count them, two more books have been added to the 2021 lineup. So that's pretty, pretty exciting because I know it was a pretty full slab, and here we have an even fuller slab. And finally, this week, uh, there is the development. Of the World of Myth 2021 calendar. I can't wait. So. That wraps up our housekeeping. And brings us into the real reason you are here today. Our review of the spooktacular, amazing Halloween issue. I am going to start a movement where every issue is the Halloween issue. <laughs> Okay, every month, every single month is just going to be Halloween because I, the, the entirety of reading through and looking at the art from everything in this issue, 
I was just grinning ear to ear. It just made me so happy. The serotonin was a flowing in my head. I feel like it's Christmas morning reading all of these these amazing, amazing stories, these poems, and looking at this brilliant uh, selection of art. So thank you guys for every shred of every ounce of amazing effort you put into this issue. Not that that doesn't go into every issue, but holy crap, this was such a good, amazing issue for my little dark soul. It just brought me to life. I am a, a literary zombie, we could call it. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get started because there is so much. Um, we can jump into Drabble and Flash initially. And our first story is Camazots by Gabriella Balcom. Okay, I mean zero disrespect, but can I make a Batman joke? Because I'm about to make a Batman joke. Um, come on. <laughs> this dude is OG Batman. And I am absolutely here for Vigilante Bat God. That is just the coolest. Um, I have never heard of Camazots before. And so because of the story, I went and I, I, I looked it up and I did a little bit of research. And oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. Um... So that being said, I think this is definitely a story that could be carried beyond Drabble and Flash. And um, I think it'd be really cool to expand on. And I know the point of Drabble and Flash is just little blips and I totally get it. But I'm a spoiled baby, okay? And I full on admit it. Um, so Gabriella, just so it's out there in the ether, if you... So choose to write a bigger picture of a story regarding uh, OG Batman. You have an audience. <laughs> like, it's just a really cool and interesting concept. And I personally love cryptids and mythology. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally here for Camzots. What were your thoughts? I definitely got a uh, Jeepers Creepers feel also. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember with Justin Long? Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Um, but uh, I think also maybe how you um, depict a longer story of this character. Also, maybe possibly with this longer version, you could also jump into how the character came to be, you know, what its purpose is. How it came. That's what I mean. Like, there's a whole world she kind of opened, introducing us. Because, like I said, I had never heard of Camazots, and I'm just ignorant in that. But, like, there's so much wiggle room. Here is one of our favorite lines from the tale. Quote, the person had wings over long arms and wicked looking claws. Excellent work. Yes. All right. So moving on to Camp Life by David K. Montoya. So here we have Camp Slasher Fiction. And I'm so happy. Uh, I pointed out in my notes later uh, for, for a different story, but holy crap. Um, 
I just, I need more. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I wanted more. Um, and in the best of ways, it really, it, it, it reminds me of the way American Horror Story 1984 uh, actually paid homage to the genre. And um, I just, I, I love it because it did such a, a fun job. Um, and, and yeah, like Dave jumped in, he tied a nice little uh, gory bow on it and I just like I said I'm I'm smiling so hard right now like because that story was just delightful for me what about you I definitely like the uh definitely had the 80s vibe mm -hmm. you know from the slasher flicks um for some reason too though I'm not quite sure exactly but I get the Craig Bliss killer vibes it's weird right kind of yeah Either way, um, yeah, that, Mark muttered and pulled out a knife. <laughs> Excellent work. All right, so then moving on, we also have Come On by David K. Montoya. Um, I'm sorry I'm just, like, jumping in. <laughs> just like I said, I, I told you guys last week I was going to be taking over. Like, I'm so happy. Um. A few weeks ago, I was listening to this podcast where this guy was telling the story about um, his his girlfriend one morning showed up. They were in a, in a decent place in their relationship, but showed up and she was just livid and she was uh, packing a bag and screaming at him. And she was like, you know what you did? And he was like, what? And very confused because he's like, I don't know what I did. And she's like, yes, you do. You know. And she goes downstairs with a packed bag. She, she'd made a mess. She'd thrown a bunch of stuff. And she gets in a cab and she leaves. And a few seconds later, she comes right up behind him, wraps her arms around him, and is like, hey. And he's like, what? And he went on to explain how he eventually started talking to uh, this physics professor, who's his friend, who told him, uh, look, it's just a theory, believe what you want, but uh, it could be that uh, these, these parallel realities kind of uh, sunk into each other and you were exposed to a reality from a different universe. So while this didn't happen, while this, well, your girlfriend who was throwing a tantrum and all of this was actually from a different reality. So, and the whole reason I talk about that is because this one actually just reminded me of it. And in the in a good way. Um, you know, and that's just, that's creepy. That's a creepy thought. And I think how Dave did it, you know, because it was so subtle. And it just, like I said, that just terrifies me. Because it's inexplicable. You know, we can try to think about you know, manifestations like that, but it's just creepy. So yeah, I really, really had, you know, a lot of fun writing that one. I definitely like that theory about the alternate realities for sure, about how if in this string of consciousness, this other reality can happen. I think though it was more of a, like a body snatchers ghost story feel, you know, of not the person imitating the, the lover or whatnot. Um, I definitely 
feel that would be the case. Um, I'm going to go a little more sappy and say that the interaction between the couple, mm-hmm. I think I would have liked to see it a little more intimate in, in, in my uh, my preference, you know. It's just a personal <laughs> preference, you know. I'm a little sappy. Uh, but uh, I definitely have a line here that says, Unable to speak, Shelly turned and looked into her bedroom and found it completely empty. <laughs> Excellent work. <laughs> All right. Cracked Spines by Linda Imbler. Um, Linda has this talent for painting these pictures, and I loved it. I loved this concept so much. And the way she kind of, like, built up the anticipation for uh, Halloween 2021, <laughs> like, come on. So I hope that there is, like, a little sequel next year. That would be so fun. Um, and again, this is another one that I think could be, like, a huge fleshed-out story. Um, you know, and, and I... I, I just I get so greedy so yeah it, but I love the idea I love how she she just laid this out for us I thought it was so cool oh definitely I liked her uh, I liked her approach on this because um I, I can't remember what the film but it was that zombie film where once the zombies um came back to life I guess or were infected um they would enact their last uh, mission or whatever they were doing in their past life before they were became zombies. Hmm. Do, you, do you remember that one? Mm-mm. It's like I think it was like uh, it was Robert something. It was like Land of the Dead, I think, oh. or something like that. Could yeah. Um, th- I definitely got that feel. But what I liked about Linda's was because the dead were looking for their past loved ones. You know, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, we could hear them coming. But nothing we could do to keep them out. Excellent work. Yes. <laughs> All right. Ghoulish Fun by Christopher Bice. Uh, this was another one that just brought me, like, insurmountable spooky joy. Um, because Mr. Bice, he, he made this story so fun. And, like, it just, like, fully encompassed Halloween to me. And it made me think of... of Dear Precious Sam from Trick or Treat. Um, I'm sorry. I just think he's the most adorable thing in the world. And uh, I doubt that was your intention, Christopher. And I'm really sorry that I had to use the word adorable in your review. Uh, But I loved it so much, you know. And this is definitely a story, like, if I could, like, frame and mount it over my mantle, I feel like I would. You know, just the whole thing just, like, over my mantle. It just made me so, so, like, giddy. And it felt like Halloween. So I loved it. Running from house to house, they scream taunts to the homeowners and demand their payments be made or face the wrath of the Halloween demons in the night. Excellent work, sir. Yes. I like the uh, classic take on it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, about how while trick-or-treating in general, you know. Um, Excellent work on that one. Yes. All right. Grounded by Gabriella Balcom. I 
had a revelation about myself while I was reading this story. And that's the, like, I have, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's, it's, it's like, a something about sentient trees that just kind of became like a new favorite subject for me. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think it started from uh, Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Disney uh, VHS tape from like the early 90s. Uh, anyway, and also Tolkien and Ents and everything. Um, so I feel like like she did a really cool job of mixing these ideas of like the Grim Grinning Ghosts and the Ents uh, from Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings. And we and then like mixed, sprinkled some like cool little evil dead nuances in there. And... I don't know. Again, like, I'm just so happy. I, like, can't even express this one. Just was cool. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of the carbon-based life forms retracting carbon from the Earth mm -hmm. and other sources. <laughs> uh, so, I, I definitely got that Evil Dead vibe, too. Like, yeah. you're talking about with the tree, except, well, trees did a little different in that movie. But, it lashed him with a limb drawing blood excellent work yes all right shapeshifter by jim bates um i think we all know by now jim never disappoints um he he just he has this magic about his work that brings up these these really real very you know scary issues that we are facing and he makes them so digestible and um you know there are conversations I feel like a lot of people uh just outright refuse to have at this point and um how he presents it and it's it's just like you know you want to scream at the audience like how could you not understand we need to deal with these things so you know, Jim does does such a marvelous job at, at taking those ideas and they're scary. Again, you know, like Jim is the king of my like existential crises. So, um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Most recently, I was assigned to be one of those COVID-19 masks. <laughs> um, I'm going to agree. Jim has this excellent way of presenting these ideas about social perspective and environmental perspectives um that we face today and just puts a sweet spin on them mm -hmm. you know um i love i love the structure and the telling and it was just awesome thank you excellent work on that all right the well by stephanie j Barty. uh my notes say Short, creepy, and to the point. And I don't know about you, but, like, where we live, wells really aren't a thing. Like, a common thing to be seen. Um, so, it's a really scary concept to me because it's, like, so fantastical in my head because, like, I've never actually seen a well. And it's so obscure to my reality. So it, it really, like, it just, it gave me a nice little shiver up my spine as I was reading it. So I really liked it, too. I'm going to agree on that. I see wells all the time, um, but they're not the traditional sense. Mm, they are yeah. completely different now. Um, 
I like this one too about how like if somebody were to be trapped in a well like in the afterlife or whatnot what would make them be able to leave that realm well i think i know what inspired stephanie to write this one maybe i'm wrong but we had talked about something oh, okay. a few so, days okay. ago it's not like her inspiration her inspiration but like uh a program we both were watching gotcha. <laughs> and okay. we were kind of talking about it. Got, yeah. So like, I kind of get where like, and it's, it, okay, it's yeah. kind of that concept of being trapped in a well like that, you know, in your afterlife. And that's scary. And you know, you should know what I'm talking about. I made you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, many had claimed crying came from it, but none got close enough to check. Excellent work. Until now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're going to move into Fantasy, A Dare by Doug Hawley. Um, So one of my favorite books is The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. And one of my favorite songs, Skeletons on Parade by Ludo. And I think at this point I can throw A Dare into that mix quite happily uh, because there is something that just makes me so happy to see like this familial bond between those in a graveyard um which is what all those things have in common and i also love how this served as as a sort of quick guide to uh in that it gave us just enough of an explanation of Samhain that um and and what exactly like was was happening how it happened what to expect and i also love how none of this killed the moon mood <laughs> for our uh protagonists uh this one was just fun you know it was just absolutely delightful <laughs> we helped them to that conclusion by making Samhain look like a costume party <laughs> excellent work on it all right that takes us to Marrow Part 2 by Clark Zlotchew. I'm going to get my two cents in really quick because I know you have a lot to say about this and I don't want to rob you of that. So, okay. First of all, the way that Clark sets up uh, everything atmospherically is holy crap. Like, genuinely, we should worship at his altar of atmosphere. Um, And I'm gluttonous for good atmosphere. Uh, so again, we're here in, in the tavern and I can smell the room, hear the sounds and ima- just imagine the entirety of this location without like much work. And I just love the, the feeling he presents. So part one was a perfect, perfect, perfect setup. And I think we all had like a good idea where we we were headed. Um, but I don't think we anticipated it, uh, A, so fast and be so dark and when i say fast i i don't mean like the pacing but that one night we were enamored with marrow falling in love with her alongside jeff and the next time we find ourselves with him it's turned and i i just love how he did that and um because i've been been consuming so many ghost stories lately it just i yeah all right now your turn go for it in the humming of the wind, he heard a lovely voice, Marrow's voice, crooning mysterious words that he somehow understood to be urging him on. 
promising joy an ending i loved everything about this story um you definitely set it up in such a spectacular way and then follow through with it on the ending um like you said the imagery you know the visual perspective the uh i really enjoyed the um uh conversation between the mm -hmm. bartender and our hero and uh it just it was just uh, overall great mm -hmm. you know um thank you very much yeah excellent work all right sound sharks a dragonson story by walter g esselman i love Pavataro and Gideon <laughs> and getting more and more insight into their dynamic and their friendship. Uh, but this time we kind of get an idea of our delightfully brave Gideon uh, in the company of someone else, his water nymph romantic partner. <laughs> uh, and again, I enjoyed the dynamic. Uh, not, not only that, but I love the thoughtfulness of dialogue between all of them, but in particular, the scenes with just the two, um, Walter has a way of creating this, like this intimacy, um, in a scene that is like hyper engaging for us. And, uh, it, it's like we're in on a secret, even though there's no secret, it's just like we're, we're in on it, you know? And I, I just know I, 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 I look forward to more, uh, from the dragons and pieces though, but I, I, yeah. The sand shark stood in the entrance to the cave with a look that was neither vicious nor cruel, but it would kill if necessary. Um, I definitely thought this was an interesting break from the usual uh, rhyme of the uh, horror episode there. You know, um, I, I definitely like how the characters played around in the story. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it was definitely an, an interesting whimsical take um and uh it was just an excellent work a little excellent piece on that yeah Thank that's, you. What I, that's what yeah. i mean there's like there's no awkwardness it's just like it's there's this intimacy that like it's just it flows yeah it was just a good little piece to read right there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right the missing unicorn in the land of zombie fairies part lucky 13 by david k montoya um, so I'm like super invested in these stories. Uh, in the previous part, we were, we were set up for the girls to be separated and I don't know what I expected, uh, but this hurt me <laughs> because I felt how terrified, um, Emma was for herself and her sister. And that just, that had my stomach in knots as I was reading it, um, for Emma not to know, where Livy is and vice versa and Livy to be in such danger it's oh you know um but I'm also like painfully fascinated uh to learn about this new introduction of a character because I think it's clear uh while these girls have made enemies of certain folks uh they have so many more friends and allies and uh I know, like, nothing bad is going to happen, but, like, we're going on this emotional adventure. Um, and so we're, we're set up for another great part as we kind of near the end. And I'm anxious. That's all I'm going to say. I'm anxious. I wonder if the authors would like me to actually 
envision Morgan Freeman's voice as you like read their little parts because <laughs> for some reason all I can get is the Morgan Freeman voice as I as I read read Dave's <laughs> little uh, uh, excerpt uh, excerpt right here it says <laughs> while they fought and bickered a lot of the time there was no denying the fact that the two sisters loved each other more than words could explain that was actually really good oh yeah <laughs> 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 oh boy thank you very much sir all right it doesn't even sound like him <laughs> it's not what you sound like it's how you're saying it the pronunciation <laughs> yes. all right so now the time has come my pretties we are here for the horror genre and again the serotonin is just going wild i'm so excited our first story death ship by steve carr i love this concept uh because i also think it's such a fascinating idea and hyper hyper awareness that humans are supremacists in that we think we have a right to control everyone and everything um it's why we are dealing with the problems we have now uh are are you know, dealing with, with, uh, earth fighting back, everything like that. So, um, in the story between mother nature and the storm, as well as the dead that are, that are expected to be used for slave labor, this notion that in the end, there's no way to be able to control those things, you know? Um, so this is definitely a story though, uh, that I wish we had more of. Not necessarily any explanations or attempts to explain just what's happening because we have all the info we need. Um, but the stress and the tension of what is actually occurring and the horror of that. But I think Steve did something really unique and cool here. Like, it just... Again, I am gluttonous. I'm sorry, guys. Um, it just was cool. Like, I want so much more of this this world. Once they're trained how to pick fruits and vegetables or sweep streets or wash vehicles these souls will be worth more than all of the machine parts in all the containers on this ship um that pretty much summarizes what i really liked about this story was how you can actually use uh the, the dead as as labor which definitely i'm sure you know institutions around here would definitely love oh yeah um definitely excellent work on that mm -hmm. yeah um I don't think I've actually ever heard something like that mm -mm. where the death would I be cannot used recall like anything that. like that. Yeah. I mean like in, in like The Walking Dead they'll use like uh walkers to kind of like power things cuz you know it's like they have like limitless energy so it's like they'll create like a hamster wheel kind of thing. But that's yeah, you know. and I think Sean of the Dead even went to where like the dead would be used as entertainment purposes but yeah. never like as labor force mm -hmm. that was interesting yeah um although i'm not saying it just because i haven't seen it, it's not in existence but definitely excellent work on that and memorable yeah definitely yeah all right fated visit by tim law my notes start out yes exclamation point this one is so intriguing exclamation point i love the 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 perspective of this narrative um because tim made it seem so like effortless for us to imagine the situation from 
our own point of view. And like we can visualize it through our own eyes. And it's funny um, because if you've been listening, you have probably heard me say a million times, um, I'm having a harder and harder time finding something that scares me. And um, I think it's because I become just like too desensitized um, by horror and, 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 and it's kind of hard to empathize with fictional horror. Uh, but this one where you are stuck right there in the shoes and perspective of our lead, um, it was just very fascinating to feel that. So I really, really like respect this story, you know? You wake up and feel strange, old somehow, worn. Um, I definitely like this as a first-person perspective. Um, I think what could have been really very, like, top-notch would have been if it was all a narrative perspective of what's going on in your mind as everything's happening mm. around you. I think that would have been, you know, a little, a little cream on top mm. of that thing. <laughs> um, excellent work on that. Thank you. All right. The source of Friar Santiago de Guerra de Vargas's Monstrous Crimes, Part 2, by Robert Masterson. When the tip touched Porphyro's beating heart, he could feel the vibration in the handle. So this one, holy crap, um, words failed me. Right after reading this, I was just stunned um it was beautiful i again words don't i there's i don't think the english language could have words for how beautiful and gruesome and violent this story was and it's so gorgeous and first of all um this is like a black metal song come to life, you know? And I genuinely think that this story deserves songs devoted to it. Um, it was just jaw-dropping. Every word illustrated every tiny, teeny, tiny detail. And uh, it just, I could smell the burning bodies, you know, feel the blood over my hands. That one part in... Just what I, I read at the beginning of this, that part just chills. It absolutely terrifyingly deep and poetically beautiful. I I can't even with this one. It's so good. <laughs> I definitely loved it as well. Um, I really like the perspective from the friar and then um how it was a build-up of his character into this madness mm -hmm. you know of what came of him and at, even at that point he believed he was doing the correct thing and i really like that when authors go in that perspective of hearing their deities commands and though they feel they are doing the right thing and you know, it's really a large question of whether or not they actually do mm -hmm. the large good. You know, like the Crusades as a whole. Well, or the Crusades, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I mean, it, it was just visually appealing and, uh, the ending was just right. You know, uh, it, well, the ending was correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, excellent work on this one. Yeah. I can't even, like I said, it's just so good. Okay. Mother Abigail by David K. Montoya. Um, nothing bad ever happens here. That last line was perfection. I love it. I also love that, um, just a few days ago when, when the last episode came out, uh, I was waiting to hear back from Dave about the cult episode we did last week because I was terrified about how it's content, you know, like just the content in general, you know, um, and how it, it could be construed. Uh, but he was like, nope, this is my jam. And now I get it 100%. Like, this is the epitome of a creepy little cult, and I love it. Um, I also like that he took this concept of cannibalistic backcountry family and twisted it to turn on each other. You know, because in, in a lot of iterations of these concepts, we see that they'll fight and do anything for each other. But nope. Not in this case. You know, it's obviously a very, you know, patriarchal family and it it just like sick and twisted and I love it. Very appreciative of it. Thank you. I really enjoyed the piece. Um, it reminded me a lot about Wrong Turn. Remember those movies, Wrong Turn? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and uh, a little bit of uh, Hills Have Eyes, a little mixed in there. You know, definitely was the the hillbilly trope, but also a little red state mm-hmm. you know, shoved in there. Um, and I only make these comparisons because it definitely it, it is to stand up. You know, what I really would have enjoyed, though, is also this one taking a perspective piece of what's going through her mind, really, as all of this is happening. You know, it's it's hard because, you know, we we're dealing with these short stories and it's like you want to make sure you're presenting all the information. Absolutely. Excellent work on this one. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Paper Hearts by Stephanie J. Barty. So this is a story I was talking about in the very beginning. Um, I feel like we haven't had a good slasher movie in a long, long time. Um, or at least that I can think of. Um, so thank you, Stephanie, for gifting us some new slasher content. I loved this story. Uh, from the setup to the wraparound. And you did scare me with Rusty. <laughs> My horror-addicted brain like genuinely panicked for a second but I also um really enjoyed how how Stephanie took the notion of like a woman scorned and breathed some new life into it um just because sometimes it's not always done correctly but she did it right um and I just really like this one because it's absolutely something I have missed in my life for quite a while he began grabbing at his chest gurgling sounds coming from his mouth Another great story by Stephanie. And finally, that takes us to The Artist by me, Jenna Sparks. And I will bow out now. 
a woman painter. <laughs> I thought women painters only painted lilies in the shape of their tender bits. My opinion can also be biased on this particular story. I definitely love the imagery, as always, and all of your stories. Uh, they definitely flow beautifully, and I really love the imagery to where you can smell, see, taste, hit all the senses, and I really like the special little gift the artist has, besides being an artist. Uh, <laughs> so, if you're curious about that, with not one, not two, but three, three surprises in store on that story, uh, you should check that one out. Excellent work on that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we can move into action and suspense. And our first story, Blood and Bones by Walter Giersbeck. Um, So once again, and it's as always, uh, Walter knows how to set a scene. Um, and he does it magnificently in Blood and Bones. From, from the get-go, you are already enamored with the time period and our group of characters. And the dialogue is so seamless and perfect. It's just Walter has this amazing talent for, um, like, seamless storytelling. Like, nothing feels accidental or unintentional. Um, every line, every dictation, it all has a reason for being. Um, so I feel like Walter spoils me with that kind of goodness because it's just so beautiful. And even with a story like this, with something so gruesome and tragic, he, he weaves it so skillfully. And it was just, it, it was hands down a really amazing, amazing story. Very um, Stand By Me-esque. The tunnel looked like the mouth of hell, yawning like an alligator. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, he definitely puts out top quality uh, stories, you know, month after month. And, uh, you know, this one is no short of that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's just beautifully written and the ideas are all laid out. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope one of these days we'll see, like, Walter's work on the big screen, honestly, because he does it, like, he does all the work, you know, and I think it'd be so cool to see it actually, you know, physically performed. Okay, so our next story, Californication, part two, by Doug Hawley. Um, I saw this post the other day, like, on Facebook or whatever, and I think like immediately thought of it when I after I read Californication um because it's a pristine example of what the post was trying to like the message it was hammering home and I can't quote it verbatim but um it, it basically summarized how we all seem to think like George Orwell predicted the future in his novel 1984 but all he did was take issues of his time you know things he witnessed um and then he exaggerated them. And here we are now, where current affairs are very in sync with everything Orwell wrote about. Um, at the end, the, po the, the post pointed out that it was just what authors did. 
Uh, they take inspiration from their world, apply it, and satirize it. Um, and I think Doug did that so amazingly um, with Californication. And I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this little uh, series um, because of his presentation. And like I said last month, uh, the authenticity that seems to bleed into this futuristic landscape. You know, it's very real. <laughs> And it just, it was so entertaining. Um, a little scary and very, again, real. Despite the problems attendant with overpopulation, life continues. I found the story to be very refreshing on the aspect of how divided we are and yet we're all the same, you know? And uh, especially as somebody who is not, well... I mean, I've lived elsewhere besides here. Um, and the perspective of people who do not live here, and then your perspective definitely changes a bit. Um, it it was just excellent, excellent about society and perspective piece on that. And it's just, it's just overall great. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, thank you very much. All right. The Best House in Elmwood Estates by Don DeBraw. Oh my god. I loved everything about this. Uh, like I keep saying about Dawn's work, uh, she's able to take like monotonous life um, and make it super interesting. And this is a pristine, perfect example. Um, and again, and she uses these themes of, of emotion in such clever ways. And this one where I felt like it was insecurity uh, that was the biggest theme. It just, it wrapped up so beautifully um, and brilliantly. And look, I love anthologies, um, especially horror anthologies. And I could so see each one of Dawn's stories being a, like adapted into an anthology. Couldn't you? Like, just in a film... And this one just, it, it left me grinning ear to ear. Like, you know, I said at the beginning, all these stories just make me so happy. But yeah, so I love this one, Dawn. It seemed whatever Deborah had, Betty Lou was bound and determined to have also. Um, I'm in agreement. I can definitely see a uh, Tim Burton or John Waters directing this, mm. you know, um, kind of reminds me a bit of that movie serial mom where like you can <laughs> see the colors and you know the vibrancy yeah. of everything um and then that's why i definitely like this one you can see the the story take place and and, and um the character development um this is also a story where you can give this to anybody mm -hmm. and i bet you anybody would definitely just fall in love with it yeah definitely yeah um so as always very well done don Thank yes. you very much. Love it. All right. The Brat by Gabriella Balcom. He dreamed something brushed his nose, making it itch. Then something touched his neck and squeezed his throat, slowly tightening its grip until he had trouble breathing. He woke gasping for air, felt his throat with his hands, but nothing was there. 
And this is why we don't have kids. <laughs> I love the setup for this one. And I had to fight myself um, not to scroll to the end to see what was happening because <sighs> censoring myself. F that kid. Like <laughs> Gabriella did so well in giving us this narrative uh, of this little creep of a kid. And yes, love and nurture and all that jazz. But uh, the buildup, though, was just so nicely presented and you know it just I I I really like this like twist with the you know the the supernatural I kind of wish we had gotten like an inkling toward the beginning like oh there's something more you know happening than we think but I just I really like this one I thought it was really like interesting you know, and especially because it made, I'm sorry I keep making comparisons to these movies, but like it makes me think of um, The Perfect Son with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood, like way back, what was that, like the early, early 90s, and that movie always creeped me out, so. Isn't it always interesting how when you're a child and you have these like horror or scary dreams or anything like that. It's always like something taking you away, mm -hmm. you know? It's almost like it's implanted into us over this like moral story of you'll be taken away, you know? CPS? <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> I, think that's what the, I think that's what the real monster was in that story. <laughs> or was it a blessing for the parents? I'm not sure. Either way, um, I definitely like the, the, the buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, feel that as the um the supernatural aspect i feel needed a little little more explanation to the the story as a whole you know and I, on one one part it is definitely hitting home against the taken away if you're a naughty child aspect, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I believe if there was like a precursor of it, it would have it would have really hit. Yeah. Um, but other than that, definitely excellent work on that. Yeah. Thank you. All right. The Plague, Part One. By Christine Garant. Now, this story takes place in 1909, not 2020. I just want to establish that. <laughs> All right. Never in a million years would I have thought I would resort to witchcraft or asking Camilla for help. Just writing this, it feels like I am in a horrible nightmare. Me, Charlotte Edwards, doing witchcraft. What is happening? So, I always love stories of desperation. Um... Because one of my biggest beliefs is that we judge people's decisions based on what we think we would do in that situation rather than admit that we actually have zero concept of how anyone would really react. So I think this one does a pretty interesting job of like infecting us with that same desperation um, and help at whatever cost, you know, and... I just really like that we're getting into our protagonist, or is she an antagonist? Uh, we're getting into her head uh, through the journal entries. I think that was a really smart decision. And so I'm definitely, definitely curious about part two. Great work on that. Thank you very much. All right. 
Twine, Part 1, by Dylan James Harper. The undead couldn't really run, but they would usually lumber with a little extra speed when they saw or heard prey. I hate that only Part 1 is available right now. Like, I want more, um, like, immediately. Dylan did such a good job setting us up for the next part. Uh, and I'm, I'm super like antsy for what's going to happen. And one thing like with the genre, the, the zombie genre is we rarely get like full glimpses of an established world after an apocalyptic scenario. So I really enjoy how thoughtful this is to the genre while like maintaining some semblance of societal restructure you know I think it's interesting um because there's so many ways we can twist and contort to what life would be like after an apocalypse especially a zombie apocalypse so yeah so I cannot wait I cannot 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 wait until next month no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, I thought it was definitely an interesting take on the uh, zombie survival tactic as well. You know, especially with the flight crews and everything. Um, you know, excellent work on that one. Thank you very much. Also, wait, I want to throw in thank you for some LGBTQ representation. Appreciate that a lot. So. That will carry us on over to science fiction, double feature. And our first story is Lost by Jim Bates. Left on his own, Matt would have been fine, but for a young dog who chose that moment to wander into the yard. I don't know why I'm so dramatic with these readings. But yes, words uh, can hardly, hardly explain how happy I was to see uh, this story pop up for this issue um and I'm just I'm just so happy for every single character you know it's a nice nice ending you know and, and I feel like we don't always get that with stories anymore and it just it was so like happy and Jim did us a great service by giving us this little chapter of an epilogue uh to get to revisit these characters you know and and where they are uh you know, and, and what they're up to in this little paradise, utopia. Um, about six months later, I think, is, is what it stated. And it just, it made me happy. You know, it, it, I don't know. I really, really like this chapter. That's what I think is so impactful about this series. Um, it's got such a feel, like an uplifting feel. And it's it. so, but it's like, it's such a gloomy reality. Yeah, so it's so gloomy around you, but for some reason, the story just holds mm -hmm. true to, to a, a light at the end of the tunnel type of thing. Um, so definitely love this one. Um, excellent work there, sir. Thank you. Alright. And now we have Huma. And our story is A Simple Cup of Joe. By James Rumpel. Emily shook her head. Look at the clientele preferences. I don't think I would like it there. Are you that? Marsha let her question tail off without a conclusion. 
Maybe we should go to better latte than never. A simple cup of Joe indeed. <laughs> I love this lighthearted one. You know, it just, it was like a good social commentary. And it was just a funny, smart spin, like on the, the realities of our convic convictions. You sometimes they are really ridiculous. And I catch myself doing it a lot. Like, won't even lie. But yeah, so I just, I really like how, like, funny it was and how James was able to kind of like contort this situation <laughs> you know into something so funny like he did a really good job yeah definitely is definitely beautifully said on that because uh I also enjoy the uh observations on the social choices and the capitalistic uh version of this reality you know um you know, where we live, they just opened another drive through coffee shop when there's actually <laughs> three within walking distance already mm -hmm. within the same block. So, this story will hold merit. 100%. You know. Easy. <laughs> um, oversaturation is definitely going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. um, you know... I can't wait to see what else James can come up with, you know, after he, he peaked up the social, the social interest, you know, it's like, hey, well, that, I love that one. What else you got? You I know. know. I feel like he, he kind of, yeah, it's, it's getting there. Like we're really seeing, like, I, that's what I love about these reviews is like, because we're so new at, uh, handling, um, um, our conversations with these writers, like we are, it's so exciting, like getting to familiarize ourselves. So that's what I, I love. All right. That will wrap up our fiction. And now we're going to move into poetry. And our first poem is Dry Bones and Brittle Leaves by Stephanie J. Barty. Um, the first thing I thought when I read this was dead doesn't mean gone. And I loved this piece. I, I'm under the assumption that this is a beautiful nod to Samhain or Halloween, you know. Um, and it's just so peaceful and dark, you know. And, and it's just something I'm, like, particularly keen on in that subject. Um, you know, and, and do you ever feel the weather just shift? This is a question for you, sir. Do you ever feel like the weather just like shift and there's just like a, a smell out there and you're like, it's autumn. All the time. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's that like moment. Anyway, that was, this poem was that for me. Like it was that like moment of change and I love it. It just was, was gorgeous. Absolutely. Definitely another great. Home by Stephanie Barton. All right. The Color Blue by Christopher Bice. I personally love how dark Christopher Bice, like, is willing to get. <laughs> yeah, this one was, like, a fascinating, uh, like, spinning little tale. Um, and I love it. The, the imagery was impeccable. And it was, it was haunting and like 
each individual line just kind of paints and adds to the whole landscape. And it's it's alarming, I think is a decent word to use for it. It's alarming and creepy and just delightful. Uh, definitely, I believe. It was probably one of the best of this poems that I've read yet. Um, you know, I definitely like the imagery and everything about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, sir. All right. The Dreaded Lullaby by Jeff R. Young. So, as a random interpretation, this one reminded me of sleep paralysis. Um, I know it's not. It just, like, there were, like, little nods, you know, and... And that was like the feeling it evoked for me, um, invoked for me. Uh, and it's so like shiver inducing and, and eerie. Um, Jeff did a, like, he just did a gorgeous job of that like icy, cold feeling of a nightmare on, on restless nights. Um, and the line Quote, I am a slave to the Sandman, not a keeper of my dreams. That just, like, hit me way too high. I, I really like this one. I thought it was a very smartly written piece. Beautifully said. Thank you very much, sir. And next we have The Mongers of Fear by Kevin Magnus. The world is changing. I mean, and it's changing rapidly. And we're watching it, you know, in, in very real time. So and it's scary. And I think this one really, like, hones in on that fact. We are absolutely unsure of who to listen to, you know, and, and who to trust exactly. Uh, because science is always evolving. And, and, and it feels really hard to keep up with that. And, you know, at the core of everything that we're dealing with, um, you know, we kind of have to keep up with what's happening to ourselves and, and that, you know, psychology and making sure we're okay. So, so check on your friends is what I'm going to say. <laughs> what were your thoughts? The beauty of this poem was that no one really actually knows what's going on. So, yeah. um, that's that's what really should hit home on this one. Um, I like this one for the commentary. You mm -hmm. know, um, definitely an excellent poem. Thank you very much, sir. All right. And our final poem: "Thoughts on the Cemetery" by Linda Imbler. Uh, this one definitely hit me really hard, like on on a very personal and emotional level. Um, and it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and I, I really adored this one, you know, and, and I feel like this is a poem that I'm genuinely going to keep like close to me. Um, because Linda is so talented at proposing these ideas that make, you know, that make you think. And, you know, this one once more, uh, it's just so thoughtful. And it's insight, and um, it's insight of mortality, and it's just it's just pretty. It's a beautiful, beautiful work. And I'm gonna say the word, and no pun intended, but it's very haunting, you know. 
yeah, I thought this one was actually very beautiful and well written as well. Um, you know, it, it was definitely a good perspective to sucker for that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, thank you very much. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up our written word genre area. <laughs> and now we get to move on to art. And I'm very happy. Again, I am just happy. Like, I'm very, very... Ha. Okay. So in art, we have the Creative Youth Art Gallery. And our first piece is What's Under My Bed by Miss Zoia Montoya. Um, so I've been watching way too many horror movies and horror anthologies, which I brought up several times. And Zoe, holy crap. Okay. There's a short film they made into a full-length feature film, and it's called Lights Out. And it's by the Swedish director, and he creates these really, really, genuinely scary creatures. And it just, this reminds me of that. Like, you presented a whole story in the single piece, the single drawing. And that's no easy feat. Um, Brilliant, brilliant, spooky work. All right. You know, this goes back to how interesting I find it that, you know, when we're children, and there's always, like, this thing that's going to take us away, you know, some type mm-hmm. of force. And it's always going to, like, take us away somewhere. And I think it would be interesting, just to put this out there for anybody, it would be interesting to have that place explained, you know? If somebody mm-hmm. wants to write about that. But I see they're near here nor there. <laughs> so definitely I uh, love this piece, Zoe. Thank you very much. All right. And then we move on to uh, our next piece, Polychrome by Connie Minatulo. So here we go again with the palettes, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, stop having really good palettes. And then I won't make it the center of my conversation. <laughs> It's just, it's a gorgeous palette. Um, And the face. uh, Drawing a woman's face in particular at scale can be very difficult. Um, And Connie did amazing. I mean, it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, I love the the monochrome palette to her skin and... The complimentary hues. It just, it's gorgeous. And it really, like, this character reminded me of somebody who could have been in, like, one of Poppy Z. Bright's books. You know, I don't know as who, but it just, gen- it, like, made me think of that. So, I really like this one. That's definitely a bad biker mama right there. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I definitely like all the colors and everything on that one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent work, Connie. Thank you. All right. Teeth and Slobber. By Ed Bigford. You guys are killing me. Okay. I love this one so much. Uh, Everything from the curvature of the teeth to the palate. I'm sorry. uh, To the anatomy. It's just so enigmatic and like impossible to look away from. Like I stared at it for probably five minutes straight. It just like captivated me. And I know it's that color usage. It's just a cool piece to look at. So I love it. Oh, yeah. It's definitely an, an excellent piece by Ed. Another one. Um, I definitely love the colors. And the uh, it was a swamp thing, correct? 
I took it as a lizard person. Is a lizard person? Lizard person swamp thing? Uh, excellent work, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Dark Almonds by Boreana on Aniva. Uh, the hair. Holy crap. That hair. Those eyes. That angle. Also, um, eyebrow goals for me personally. Those are gorgeous eyebrows. Um, I love this one too. It just, that palette, I'm sorry, is breathtaking. And the, the best word I can use is like discomfort. That stare elicits, you know, it's just like, it's, it's both captivating and like, like scary. It's intimidating. And I, I love Boreana's style, you know, and, and the technique that was applied. It's just gorgeous. Stunning, stunning. And the score for this piece will be MCR. Uh, <laughs> definitely another excellent piece. Um, I, I love the palette and everything about it. Thank you very much. All right. I'm going to butcher this title, and I'm so sorry. I apologize from the bottom of my soul, but I'm going to try. The illustration of Mictacuxihual goods of Underworld of the Dead. I'm so sorry. I will never stop apologizing for that. By Alonzo Ross. Um, so after after seeing his work in the latest issue, in the last issue, I I had to go and familiarize myself with more of Alonzo's work um, because it's gorgeous. It is. Oh, I can't, I can't with his palettes. They're just perfect. And this one is perfect. Um, the, the palette to the fabric to the folds, the pose and the hair, like everything is just, you can't help but fall in love with every piece of this. I love it so much. I can tell, you know, that uh, this piece in particular was just a cry to cry out to us as he says look this this is no uh, deity this was my ex-girlfriend right <laughs> so I got you my man excellent work I hear you alright and our final art piece Bark at the Moon by Eric Rivera so I know Eric personally and I have been honored to see like firsthand how his uh style has evolved and and shift and um how he's learned you know and and grown and he's establishing his voice um as an illustrator and he is doing so good and I love to see him working in color he's been pushing to work on it more and more and more this year and dude is doing amazing um you know the the white wolf in this piece I'm gonna need to talk to you one-on-one about that because (laughs) the way you were able to do a white palette like that oh my god like it's so good so so good um and just like and Eric is so talented at like the the shadow casting I mean I'm I'm biased, so I need to shut up. But I really love 
and respect how Eric went about both of these, all four of these pieces, but both of these characters. Oh, uh, you definitely took words out of my mouth. I couldn't say it any better myself. Um, I definitely would be biased myself on this piece because he's such an excellent artist. I've seen all of his work. Well, probably not all of his work. No. Most of his work, though. You what know? he shares with us. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, it's on such a personal level that, um, you know, I definitely enjoy about this one was the little Aussie plug. And mm-hmm. So, uh, excellent work. As always, Eric, thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. That wraps up art. So now it's Joe's turn because I need to take a minute to breathe because I've been screaming into this microphone. As you probably know from your bleeding ears by now, I'm so sorry. Expect this every year come Halloween, okay? (laughs) So now Joe's going to kind of take over for the review section. To kick off the reviews, we have a Mythmaster interview with Steve Bolin, who was the previous editor-in-chief, and they speak about certain subjects, as when he was in the Navy, and a bit about his writing, a little bit about his personal life. Um, So, if you are interested, which you should be, go ahead and go over there to Mythmaster's podcast, give it a listen. Well, thumbs up there or a like and uh, go see what those two got up to. That will take us over to the movie review of Halloween 1 through 6, H2O, Resurrection, and Halloween 2018 by Moviegoer Grimm. In this segment, he goes on about, well... Halloween 1 through 6, H2O, Resurrection, and Halloween 2018. He brings back the Howls of Pleasure, so go ahead and go see what he thought about all those movies and see how many howls each one got. So, that's going to take us over to the rereading H.P. Lovecraft by Michael A. Arnold. And uh, Michael gives a interesting take on the perspective of the writer. So I found it very interesting. Uh, If you are a Lovecraft connoisseur, go see what Michael got up to. And uh, let's see here. We're going to go take us to Fallout 4 Game Review by Kyle Daltz. Um, Kyle takes us through a um, review. I think it was mostly um, the beginning of the game. So we shall see through the next issue see how he getting on with that game so go give that one a look see if you are a video game guy or gal and that's gonna roll us over to the art review of a painting by Bekskinski um in this review he well takes us through this painting that you can interpret for yourself because apparently Bekinski uh wanted that you know he wouldn't give a title to the paintings because he wanted it to be open interpretation which i had learned from the review so go Mm. give that a shot um you know michael always has very interesting like little dabs of information to, to lay down on his stuff so thank you for that and then that will finally take us to the commentary from the founder mr montoya and this one entails about uh, PCE, what's going to happen, you know, what's happening with uh, sound bites, uh, 
um, and uh, what's to come, really, you know? So if you want to go ahead and see what's going to be happening, go ahead and go give that a look-see, which you should. So. Wow. This takes us through the third issue of review. How are you feeling? I feel kind of sad um, because now it's over. And, uh, you know, all that serotonin, serotonin, like, lift, lift, lift. And now I'm just like, <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm just going to go back and reread everything, I think. I feel everything's about the build. Really. <laughs> it is. Everything's about the build. It's like with the horror uh, episode, you know, and the Halloween episode. And then once the episode comes, it is now going to be gone. No. So. But that's okay because um, we have next month to look forward to. It's always on the internet too. It's always there. That's why I said I'm gonna reread it in a physical space, you know. Um, so I think yeah. that's what we're all really trying to jump for. You know, I think that's what the whole thing is about: trying to create this perspective for us. You know, we're trying to leave these works, you know, so people can remember, oh, we were here. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that's what really the magazine is about, too, because once we're all gone, you know, it's possible that the magazine will exist. You know, they, oh, yeah. it exists in a certain time frame. The goal isn't to live forever. It is to create something that will. I was waiting for that, dude, because I'm like, <laughs> I can't quote that. I can't quote it as well. It's not going to come out swiftly. <laughs> it's what I live by. Yeah, no, you guys did phenomenal. I genuinely could not be happier. I know I said it at the beginning, but this was so much fun. You all, it seems, had so much fun writing these, and that makes it super easy for us um to to get that you know um and I just I, I'm so happy and by the time you hear this we'll be uh, a little bit past Halloween but we are recording this on Halloween um so for that we hope that you had a safe and exciting Halloween um and had lots and lots of good treats happy Halloween and you can always find us at www.theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter uh, at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Until next time, I hope you all had a happy belated Halloween. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The world of myth bitch. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control.